Welcome to episode 164 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the NRL's ratings through the roof, a second Brisbane team, the Ashes Test Series cancelled, plus so much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 164 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T, and joining me is Tish. Tish, the footy's back. Are you pumped? <laughs> how did, I how am. did you feel? Round three. I, I'm going to say uh, pumped. I, I felt completely satisfied. So, you know, when you uh, <laughs> sort of... Um, you know, order some ribs and you get to the last rib and you finish it off. You know, it's because uh, you normally get about eight ribs as well. You know, at the end of this round, I was like, I follow, thoroughly enjoyed watching rugby league back on the screen. It was it was great. Um, you know, there was a bit of talk talk about in terms of the changes, but I think overall um, a pretty good round of footy. So um, capped off by a, a pretty awesome game on Sunday afternoon, I've got to say so. Uh, but yeah, what, how about yourself, Doctor T? Did you enjoy the footy back on? Absolutely, it started off uh, really well for for an Eels fan, obviously. But um, look, there's so much to talk about because I think there's uh, there's a lot has happened outside of the game as well. But thankfully, most of what we're going to talk about is the got to do has got to do with the games themselves and uh, mm. and and the game itself, the spectacle. Because I think that's. Uh, you know, I think one of the threads that we'll have running through all this is this uh, renewed sense of optimism in the game. And I'm not just... Yeah, that doesn't, Yeah, it doesn't just mean that we're, you know, that doesn't mean that there's no negative press or negative stories, because there are some. But but despite all that, you know, there's a sense of, you know, we're looking to the future. You know, mm. we're the first, the first major sport. We've got the attention of, uh, you know... You know, worldwide, we had some attention, even though other things have been going on worldwide. Um, you know, it's it's interesting that that we've we're back and and people are watching and they're interested and yeah, and it's been a really good spectacle. I mean, we're going to dive into that, of course. So I think we let's just dive into it, shall we? Without any further yep. ado, let's get into the six tackles. And here we go, tackle number one. <music> All right, tackle number one, the round three wrap. So let's go through game by game and give our quick brief overview or review of uh, of the game. So look, Eels 34 flogging the Broncos 6. They have cemented their spot at the top of the ladder undefeated. Obviously, they were already, but this has kind of uh, stretched their lead a little bit in the for and against. Um, what did you think of the game, Tish? Obviously, as an Eels fan, I was stoked that... They managed to put it together, and it looked like that they haven't really missed a beat. You know, it's been months since they've actually played, and it looks like they were as match fit as they could be. So I was pretty stoked about that. What about you, Tish? As an outsider, as a non-Eels fan, what did you think of the game? Oh, 
I think, uh, yeah, the Eels were completely, uh, yeah, they, they they dominated the Brisbane Broncos throughout the whole game. There was, um, you know, at one point where Brisbane did score to level it to six all, but then that was the only time where it was ever close. After that, you know, Parramatta, they completely uh, showed why they are on top of the ladder. And you got to remember, Brisbane came into this game undefeated uh, from their opening two games. So obviously they probably didn't adjust to the break, adjust to the new rules as well as what um, Parramatta did. Uh, Parramatta really took advantage of the, you know, the one referee and the two and, and the um, six again calls. I think they had about seven or eight, um, you know, sets in a row and adding all that pressure and causing all that fatigue uh, really in the end showed that Brisbane, uh, you know, Brisbane sort of um, kind of fell away. I've got to say it was pretty close. I think it was about 12-6 for a long time in the game. It was only until probably the last 20 minutes that the Eels ran away with it. So, I mean, although it's 34-6, the game was in the balance for quite a long time, but I think Parramatta did so well um, being able to do that. And I've got to say, I've got to love how uh, Mitchell Pierce played. Uh, uh, not Mitchell Pierce, sorry. Mitchell Moses played. I've got to say, uh, really good how Reed Marnie played as well as um, Dylan Smith. The halves um, and, and you know, and even uh, Gutherson as well. So their spine for Parramatta was phenomenal and so was their forward pack. I think they hung in the game the, the whole way. It was it was really a great team performance from Parramatta. Yeah, absolutely. And look, not to be outdone, the Cowboys and the Titans, uh, the Queensland derby, uh, you know, absolutely put it to the Titans. 36-6, to 6, they were all over them. Uh, yeah. I believe, I believe I read that there's a possible injury scare for the Cowboys. Did you, did you hear about that? Or maybe I'm... Uh, Jumping the gun there a bit, but I heard that potentially Tamalolo might be injured. But uh, we'll look into that. But yeah, look, the Cowboys totally dominant. Not to be, not unexpectedly against the Titans. We're, we're not expecting mm. them to go much further from the bottom. Um, so yeah, what did you think about? Did you catch this game at all? Look, I, I didn't catch this game. This is the uh, anti-vaxxers versus vaxxers game. Uh- <laughs> Because <laughs> there's a few Titans players that uh, were, were leading the anti-vax charge and uh, get your flu shots in or else you're going to get smashed. That's, that's I think, the moral to that. And they <laughs> <laughs> So they're clearly losing the debate in this one. But look, Cowboys, um, after a first-round loss, uh, they look the goods and reportedly Valentine's home, ha- Holmes carved them up. So um, that's also a good sign for the Cowboys. All right, and uh, the Roosters and Rabbitohs, uh, the local derby there. And look, un- again, not unexpectedly given uh, some of the the drama that's uh, that surrounded the Rabbitohs, especially the Troll Mitchell over the break. Uh, 28 to 12, the Roosters are back back in the winner's circle. I believe, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of looking to defend their premiership uh, a bit more strongly than they have been. But... Um, 28 to 12, I think, you know, pretty convincing. They didn't really look like losing. Uh, what did you, What were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, look, I completely agree with your um, statement there. Uh, they look like class above uh, the rabbit as the whole way through. So I think in terms of handling the break, definitely the Roosters did a much better job at handling the break than what um, South Sydney did. And I think this is kind of the story of the round, actually. Uh, all the teams that seem to have, uh, some off-field distractions and dramas. Uh, I think they all lost, really. Uh, and the teams 
apart from the Warriors, actually. But <laughs> you know, the teams <laughs> that sort of that, yeah. Yeah, the the teams that, that had a, a bit of a quiet uh, run, they they uh, like the Roosters. You didn't really hear too much about them. They actually, uh, yeah, completely dominated. So uh, I've got to say, first three games, uh, completely one sided, which is kind of interesting about the new rules. Um, well, let's say the first four games because the Warriors <laughs> flogged mm, the Dragons oh, eighteen yeah. eighteen nil in an almost perfect display of handling by the Warriors. I think they had, was it 42 out of 44 completed yep. sets throughout the whole match, which I think was a is an NRL record. So really, yes. you know, they, and I did say this, I believe, uh, you know, I mean, obviously St. George isn't necessarily expected to be on top of the table at the end mm. of this year, uh, you know, but the Warriors is... Uh, quite often a team that's a bit up and down and it's hard to predict. But I did say that I think that the situation that's happened with the, you know, being away from family and the sacrifices that the team needs to make and all that kind of stuff related to COVID, I think is going to work in the Warriors' favour. I think they're going to gel as a team. They're going to focus on the footy without distractions, Mm. uh, at least for the time being. And it looked like that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, they, they they just looked so focused. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Well, you know, for years we've talked about how good the roster for the Warriors is, and uh, this year, uh, no doubt. And But every year they said to underperform, and who would have thought getting the whole team out of New Zealand has actually caused them to put on an absolutely amazing performance. Um, so, well, well done to the Warriors. Um, it was the 76th minute of the game that they had their first error. Uh, wow. So that shows you what type of performance that was. And um, look, just like Jacinta Ardern, uh, you know, the Warriors, uh, instead of COVID-free, they're, uh, they're mistake-free, mistake-free footy. Exactly. And look, uh, if that's what it takes to get the Warriors firing on all cylinders is to get them out of New Zealand. Uh, maybe they should be the ones relocating. I don't know. But, no, like, I think, quite seriously, I think it's the, it just goes to show what a bit of, uh, you know, how, how different teams are handling the different, you know, this current situation. Uh, it's uh, hopefully, I wonder if it's just going to be the spark that, that sets them alight this year. So, well done, the Warriors. Uh, very good game there. The next game, the Tigers, 28 over the Sharks, 16. Uh, I'll let you run with this one. Tish, I'm guessing you caught this match. What were your thoughts? Well, I did catch this game. It was, To be honest, it was nerve-wracking the whole way out. Um, it was a bit of torture uh, because, uh, you know, the Tigers scored so many tries but missed so many goals. Um, but look, it, it was it was it was a great game. Look, the first half after you know the Sharks actually led at halftime, and the Tigers were the first team to, um, I think probably all all uh, all round actually to have been behind, you know after the first half, but then come out and win. So really good work, and I've got a really impressed by Harry Grant, uh, the new hooker for the Tigers, and uh, as well as you know uh, Brooksy did a great job. As so, uh, so did um. You know Kevin Walters Jr. and um, yeah, it was fantastic. So so great performance by the shark uh, by the Tigers. The Sharks on the other hand, that's three losses now. Um, so uh, maybe yeah. So I yeah, three losses. Maybe what's uh, the, the reports that have been coming out of the Dragons uh, might be overshadowing what the real problems are 
also at the Sharks. Absolutely. Something's going on in God's country there because, uh, you know, the teams that are coming out of there, not really firing. Um, mm. Look, further down south in Melbourne, we had an excellent game. And again, I think I predicted this. The Raiders have got the wood on the storm, it seems. 22 points yeah. to six. Um, look, never never really was in doubt, I guess. Uh, uh, Jordan Rapiner with uh, a try on day, you know, his return to the game, yeah, even wow. though he wasn't gone for very long. So a, a triumphant return there. Um, and such a big boost as well for that team. But look, you know, and I, I thought I'd, I'd bring this up anyway at some point, but I wonder if the rules, the rule changes and some of the little bits and pieces that, that have, are different now have uh, impacted on the teams that are used to this wrestling kind of uh game plan, game style, um, which potentially could disadvantage the Storm going forward. What do you think about that? Uh, Look, I do think that that is absolutely the case at the moment Um, because, you know, Canberra, they've – if you think about their – George Williams had a fantastic game, right? Uh, Firstly, you know, halfback for for Canberra. And it's really important that uh, an English halfback comes to Australia and performs well because – you know, traditionally the the backs uh, coming from uh, from England haven't really been able to to do as much as what the forwards have been able to do. But George Williams played phenomenal, um, and then Jack Whiten is the five eighth. Both those players are running halves, and uh, you know ad lib players. They're not really structured players. Um, yeah, and you could say that about the whole Canberra team. They sort of rely well on offloads, and they've got a big forward pack and uh, you know a mobile pack as well. So that is the kind of style that I think in the new rules, uh, it favours those teams. And then if you go back and look at sort of all the winners on the weekend, they're all teams that know how to play off-the-cuff football, which is, fant- which is fantastic because that's the type of football that will attract a larger audience. Um, so I think Canberra did really, really well. And I think Melbourne, they will need to do some adjustments about the way they play. Um, I think... Uh, you know, I think their five eighth. Uh, just forgot his name. Yeah, Cameron Munster. Um, you know, he's the type of player that has that ad lib. They're going to need more of that type of play that he could produce um, within their game to try and to try and obviously do what they need to do. And yeah, you can't hold down the ruck. You can't really stop the ruck as what you could before. So, hence uh, why these teams are doing well. So, look, Canberra. They have shot up in the betting markets as the as the favoured team to win and the reality is I mean this game is suited uh, to them so it would be interesting when Canberra and Parramatta meet um, later on the season that would be a very interesting clash I've got to say absolutely Uh, Panthers and the Knights played a 14 all draw after (laughs) extra time no one would have predicted that (laughs) I I didn't really catch (laughs) most of this but I caught the tail end uh, which is very exciting what were your thoughts on the game well, the Panthers did not have Nathan Cleary, um, <laughs> and, and the Knights lost Mitchell Pearce in the first two minutes, and uh, and Callum Ponga wasn't playing either. So a 14-score uh, draw. I think uh, one of the Panthers players had four, um, four uh, field goal attempts and missed all of them to try and win the game. So, look, an absolutely thrilling game. This was like... The, I mean, to be honest, this—I mean, this 
game deserved a crowd because it was just thrilling stuff back and forth, back and forth the whole way. The fact it went into overtime, the fact that even in overtime, neither team can actually win it. Um, you know, the twists and turns. Uh, nobody thought, I mean, the Panthers got out to a 14-0 lead, I think, right at the start. And then the Knights were able to hang in there and pull themselves back. Uh, a phenomenal effort from both teams. Uh, it would be exciting to see both these teams do well this season because I think they both have uh, pretty good rosters. So, um, you know, just behind, you know, Parramatta and and Canberra, uh, if we could have, uh, you know, the Knights and Panthers uh, featured this season, I think it's going to be a great season. Absolutely. And another team that's going well this season uh, is Manly. Uh, and they absolutely gave it to the Bulldogs 32-6 to at Central Coast Stadium. Uh, Bulldogs, again, probably up there or down there with the Titans and the Dragons as, yep. uh, and as three of the teams that are going to struggle a little bit this season. And that, yeah. they didn't really show anything other than that. Uh, but from Manly's perspective, it's the return of Tommy Turbo to Brojevic yes. is uh, on fire. And, you know, of the two to Brojevic brothers, not, you know, you wouldn't expect him to be the one that, you know, is you know has the uh, uh, has the world at his feet because everyone was talking about Jake for a while there being the you know the kind of a, the the style of play that as a ball playing forward really kind of brought an added spark to the New South Wales lineup. Um, but Tommy, the you know thin, <laughs> lanky Tommy, is mm. actually developing into a bit of a, a tour de force in the back line there for New South Wales and for Manly. So he is absolutely their X factor. And, uh, yeah, back with a vengeance. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good performance there. Absolutely. And, you know, Tommy Chaboyevic, he is – look, firstly, 32-6, to six, not really uh, not really a shock, this result. And uh, sets up a beautiful round four game between um, Parramatta and Manly. Uh, both teams uh, – you know, in form against each other. It's going to be a great match. But back to this game, I think uh, Tommy, uh, you know, he he could... See, Tedesco is the New South Wales halfback in the Australian halfback, but you could pretty much slot Tommy Trevojevic in there, and I don't think you'd lose anything by having him at fullback. You could call him the number two fullback in the game at the moment, I, I feel, and um, it's going to be interesting uh, even if they... if he even surpasses... Um, Tedesco, that could be interesting. Uh, you know, mm. that sort of uh, these two players, um, you know, fighting for that fullback position for New South Wales and Australia. Absolutely. Uh, anyway, so that was round three. Uh, pretty pretty good performances all round. Parramatta still on top. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about round four at the end of this. Uh, but let's move on to tackle number two. All right, so after round three, it was, uh, look, it wasn't just a return for the NRL. It was a monumental return because the TV ratings have gone through the roof. The NRL draws 4.5 million TV audiences um, tuning into the Telstra Premiership, and it actually ended up being the fifth largest TV audience in a regular season weekend in NRL history. (laughs) I mean, this isn't just, you know people just wanting to just see what's on on the telly and flicking over it and a little bit of a bump. This was a massive, massive return for uh, TV viewers to the NRL. And this is why, I guess, the uh, the genius of, 
PVL, um, you know, potentially uh, by being the first off the ca- first cab off the rank, first out of the blocks in terms of professional sports, has paid off because it was such an impressive round of football. Um, look, by Saturday night, the combined ratings across broadcasters Fox Sports and Channel Nine had already surpassed last year's corresponding round three games. <laughs> that was just in by Saturday night. That wasn't even counting Sunday games. And by the end of the round, a total of 4,490,336 viewers were recorded across eight games, the largest audience in which three games have been broadcast on free-to-air since the record set in round one of 2013. So uh, let's have a look. With Rugby League resuming in round three, Fox Sports attracted approximately 2,276,000 sets of eyeballs and uh, Channel 9's three free-to-air matches drew a combined audience of 2,214,336. Tish, uh, look, yeah, in uh, in the UK as well, we had the the uh, uh, the NRL Broncos Eels trended throughout the game on Twitter, um, which is unbelievable. In America, Fox Sports showed the game on their main sports channel, Twitter was deluged with new fans and expat Australians. Uh, what else, Tish? What am I missing here? I mean, th- look, it's all positive news, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Unbelievable absolutely. TV ratings and the attention across the world. What is this? What 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 does this all boil down to? Why is this? Well, look, as you can clearly see, people are starved for live um, sport action, right? And this is why. Uh, sport television ratings uh, over the last decade uh, throughout the world has skyrocketed because the demand to watch sport live on TV has, you know, is, you know, it, it, it just keeps growing and growing. Um, it doesn't seem to stop. And uh, the NRL, you know, a masterstroke to be the first sport out there to be able to have a competitive sport live and uh you know not only does it make a big impact in australia it's also making a big impact around the world so look obviously for round four um i don't expect the ratings to be as high because everybody wanted to obviously see uh you know it kind of wasn't an event everybody was looking forward to it you know now it might sort of um plateau down a bit but i think the number of people actually want to watch the game um it certainly did make it, uh, you know, easier to talk about rugby league throughout the week. Um, it kind of put all the negative headlines away, and I think ultimately it kind of made the NRL look very, very professional out there. Now, of course, there were some other, other little things out there that people uh, are going to talk about, which we will talk about down down the track. But I think overall, the re- the result is is absolutely amazing, and. Uh, you know, you got to remember that this is actually uh, – so I think you kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, there's only three games on free-to-air television. Free-to-air television is is where we get the majority of the audience. Um, so the fact that it was the fifth largest in history, despite only having three games, where I think previously the other – the other um, you know, there's only like – there's only a, one other round that's actually had more audience for, you know, three free-to-airs in the one round. Um I think it just shows the appetite people have. And um, again, this is probably another good reason why we're putting, introducing the one referee and the more sort of, um, you know, the six again to keep the game flowing because I think uh, that type or that brand of rugby league is definitely going to um, 
make it more enjoyable for for newer fans to come and watch the game. And I think the other thing that I uh, kind of it's more of an observation. I haven't actually looked at the stats. I think I saw less concussion based stoppages as well. And I don't know if that's because during the fast paced uh, action, the you know the more fatigue in the game, then you know the the big sort of you know the players uh, sort of hitting harder doesn't happen as much because uh, you know they're sort of a bit more tired to sort of put in the energy to actually hit harder and potentially cause a bit of a a bit of a concussion. So that's a, that's just a side point. But yeah, but look, well done to the NRL and um, yeah, there you go. This is uh, this is what happens when you're forward thinking, right, Doctor T. That's right, and I think you're right. I think the, the look, it's only early days, but I think over time we'll see potentially some of these stats coming out that shows you know potentially different low you know reducing injuries potentially. Um, you're right. I think it's become if if we're reading the tea leaves correctly, then the the rule changes will lead to you know I guess less of an impact type um impact type injuries and impact type sport basically and for it to become mm. more of a uh fast pace attrition based kind of game and for that i'm grateful because i think one of the things that i think has really plagued the game in the last decade or more has been this constant wrestle the slowing of the game down by you know those who are very good at doing that like the storm Cameron Smith, etc. I actually think it's not a good look for the game. I don't really prefer it. I, mm. I do. I've said this many times. If you look at old, uh, old games from you know the no- early 1990s, around the time of the Super League War, before then, um, you'll see a massive difference in the enjoyability of those games. Uh, mm. You'll see a lot more free flowing. Yes, you've got the impact, and you've you know. You know, we're talking about an era that had players like you know Mark Geyer or players like that. So, so really, it's I'm not suggesting at all that it it was all kind of fast paced, but it was a nicer balance. And I think what we've lost in the last decade or so has been uh, that kind of a balanced type game. It is. It has been for the most part a really frustrating game to watch, um, especially at NRL level. And mm. I think a lot of that has to do, and we have to be honest about this, has to do with things like the rules the rules that we've kind of um, not really thought through very well. So, you know, the, the, the dual referees and all that kind of thing, um, allowing teams like the Storm and others to kind of slow the play down. These are big problems in the game. And you've seen there, yeah. just in one round of football, with some changes, the game has opened up. And this is a perfect time because there's no other professional sport out there that people have got their eyeballs on. It's had it's made attention and waves overseas. People are looking at it going, this is actually a really interesting, fun game. And yes, it's not good that there have been some uh, floggings, but it is overall something that we can adjust to. And I think we'll see a lot more closer games as the season goes on. So anyway, look, yeah. that's my view. And that's why I think we've seen ratings uh the rating success because i think people are starting to realize that Mm. um it's you know look for for, you would expect that there'd be a bump initially maybe in the first couple of days but for it to sustain across all the you know all four days um (laughs) 
to to hit record heights shows that there is something about the game and not just the the appetite that's uh that people have been waiting for it to come back so let's see if we can back it up in round four and i think we can because i think the excitement of the game and the way it's been played the teams that have won um this weekend have all been playing great footy i mean you can't deny that it hasn't been a slugfest it's been really great footy, and I'm looking forward to, you know, my dream, Tish, is an Eels and Tigers grand final, and I want oh, it wow. to be the most open, exciting game of football that anyone's ever seen. It'll cr- smash the ratings. Mm. You wait and see. I think it's still on the cards. <laughs> well, 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 I think um, also, you know, the last game in the round, uh, free-to-wear game, the Panthers versus, uh, you know, the Knights, a thrilling, you know, end-to-end game, with both teams, um, you know, with their ad lib style, it, you know, it that that that's a great endorsement to watching, um, you know, to watching rugby league, and uh, we kind of all remember as as fans. If you think about the early stage, okay, and you know, once you start becoming a hardened fan, you probably look for more of the intricacies. But when you're just starting off new, you know, the the games where it's where there's lots of open play, lots of um, you know, speed. Um, you know, a, you know, a chip, chip and chase, and things like that. Those are the kind of moments you you remember more than more than anything. You know, like the big hits and the that sort of comes and goes, but it's not really um, it's not really what you sort of uh, you know aspire to. And also the last minute, I think the last minute victories as well. Like you know, the games that are hanging in the balance with with uh, you know a few seconds to go. So look, I think it's 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 really good and. Um, yeah, and I think it's yeah, uh, it's showing that that look rugby league. Yes, the COVID one, uh, COVID did put a big uh, hit on rugby league, but the good thing is that there's been quite a number of you know eternal truths that the NRL has faced, and I think you know in a way it's kind of helped um, get a bit of clarity on what the game should be and how it should look like and how it should grow and and just getting rid of maybe some of the unnecessary aspects of the game that really didn't really improve it and there was no need for it. Absolutely. Speaking of looking at how the game can grow, tackle number three. All right, tackle number three. A second Brisbane team could enter the NRL by 2022 as Peter Volandis aims to dominate Queensland. Tish, tell us more about this story. All right. Well, the Volanders train keeps going and going and going. He is—he's got to be like Elon Musk, right? That type of just—he's going to—he's going to put a Mars, the Mars team, an NRL the, Mars team. What do you reckon? Wouldn't that yeah, be awesome? sponsored sponsored by Snickers. That's how he's going to do it. You know, he's <laughs> going to break all the rules. But look, but but reportedly, uh, you know, Brisbane could actually have a second NRL team by 2022. Uh, the NRL Commission is set to consider adding a 17th team to the competition in less than two years' time. Um, so reportedly there are four bids on the table um, for the second Brisbane team at the moment. Uh, the Queensland Cup sides, the Ipswich, uh, is it the Ipswich Jets, I think it is? Oh, sorry, yep. the Jets, yeah. The Red, yeah, Cliff, the Red Dolphins. Cliff Dolphins and the East Tigers, along with the Brisbane Bombers outfit, which is a uh, – the Brisbane Bombers is going to be a uh, – a sort of a new team sort of starting from scratch, uh, uh, you know, putting forward proposals. Um, Cooper Cronk uh, argued that, you know, uh, 
any of one of these sides would be suited to making the step up as as they all have a, a big enough fan base separate to the Broncos to succeed. And uh, he said for all those areas uh, have a big de- demographic of rugby league supporters. Uh, for me, they've got to play out of Suncorp Stadium to go head-to-head with the Broncos and get two games up there every weekend, which I think is the real big reason why we want to do this. Um, and and look and, and further to it, you know, Valandis did also put his support behind. You know, a second Brisbane team will generate even more value for the code in my eyes. But I want to make a very this very clear: we are fully behind the Broncos and the Titans, as it is important that we do not cannibalise the existing clubs in the southeast Queensland market. So, in other words, um, the Titans are going to stay in the Gold Coast. The Broncos are still going to stay in Brisbane, um, but we just want to get another team in there. So. Dr. T, are you are you for or against a second Brisbane team? I am for a second Brisbane team. It should have happened, okay. and it did it did happen a while ago. That's um, true. That's- I guess it wasn't probably the best. Uh, it probably wasn't the best approach to start with a completely new team. Although at the time, it did have, you know, at one point the second highest. Um, fan, number of fans, a- average fans through the gate uh, until uh, until Super League hit and until Super League killed un- it, yeah. Until everything started to go pear shaped, but um, there was uh, you know the elements were there, the the basics were there, the fundamentals were there to build on that, but we it never came to pass, unfortunately. So now we've got the situation where out of the the bidding teams, and we've talked about this before, it goes back to how do you do expansion and how do you do it well so that you're going to succeed. So now you've got Brisbane Bombers, which has made a play in the past unsuccessfully. And uh, so they've whoever that consortium is is coming back for another go. But then you've also got, interestingly enough, three Queensland Cup teams. One is East Tigers, um, the other two are the Ipswich Jets and Redcliffe Dolphins. Now, Redcliffe Dolphins, you remember, or well, those of you who remember, when the Gold Coast team was coming back into uh, the NRL uh, in its latest incarnation, it ended up becoming the Titans. Uh, in the past, Gold Coast has had teams like the Chargers and the Seagulls and all, all sorts of things. Um, and... And and basically, it ended up with the Titans. Although for a while there, some people were claiming that, uh, and I don't, I don't know if it was almost a finalist that Gold Coast Dolphins was going to be a suggested, um, you know, mascot, which would have been almost perfect considering the Gold Coast being kind of like a, you know, a touristy thing, and it's a kind of a tropical kind of area and all that kind of stuff. Well, not so much tropical, but it, you know, that kind of a touristy kind of area. Um, it would make sense, you know, SeaWorld and all that kind of stuff um, in the Gold Coast. But one of the things that stopped them from becoming the Gold Coast Dolphins was Redcliffe. Redcliffe, uh, I believe they kind of took some legal action and stopped them from using the name the Dolphins uh, because at the time they were of the view that, you know, they want to make a play for for the NRL at some point. And that was obviously, you know, for a time that was kind of considered, uh, you know, out of the realms of possibility, but here we are now talking about Redcliffe potentially being, uh, you know, a, a viable option. 
the other option being the Ipswich Jets. I think uh, there's a lot of talk. Uh, so Redcliffe, for those of you who don't know, Redcliffe is in the northern suburbs. It's like north Brisbane. And Ipswich is, I believe it's like southwest Brisbane, something like that. And so, um, you know, they cover sort of different areas in Brisbane. Now, I kind of agree with those who are saying that, you know, it needs to be a team based down in Suncorp. You need to use the best stadium in the world, the best rugby mm. league stadium in the world. You need to use it as much as you can. And I think it's logical to, to share it. You know, one team, one one week Broncos, the next week, whoever the other team is. And, and the other thing that's of interest is I believe uh, on Twitter this week I've seen a poll from I think it was Fox Sports or something where they they polled people and they asked them, you know, which of the these Brisbane bids uh, do you prefer? And the overwhelming majority went for Redcliffe Dolphins. So Redcliffe seems to have quite a bit of, a, you know, people power behind it uh more so than the other clubs uh the other bids so we might be hearing about redcliffe look whether it's going to be redcliffe or redcliffe or north brisbane or you know who knows what they're going to call it maybe they'll keep it the same and just promote the club to the nrl level which will be very interesting but it's um you know it's it's definitely an option and i think uh the other thing is the uh, Redcliffe is right on uh, Morton Bay, which of course uh, is where the famous Morton Bay Bugs come from. So, you know, maybe they could call them the Morton Bay Bugs <laughs> if they get if they have legal action. But no, look, I think Redcliffe Dolphins is my pick out of the four. What about you, Tish? Do you have a, a preferred favourite? Um, look, not not really. I know that the Brisbane Bombers campaign is um, is actually headed up by the son of Ross Livermore. Uh, I think it's uh, Nick uh, Livermore that is, and uh, Ross Livermore used to I think used to be the head of uh, Q- the QRL. Um, so I don't know if if that's more of a political <laughs> bid in terms of what's happening with QRL rather than an actual uh, formalized bid. But look, um, the Ipswich Jets, um, as you said, they kind of come. The, the good thing about um, look, I, I think the East Tigers just because we've got the West Tigers already in there. Uh, it's going to be kind of uh, kind of weird to have two Tigers teams. <laughs> East Tigers, you know, West Tigers. That'll be interesting. <laughs> that would be interesting. So I don't, I don't know what would happen there, unless uh, yeah. So, but I think with um, with the Ipswich Jets, they kind of cover a different fan base, and they they uh, you know you know that's that's the that's the key. And I think the Red Cliff. I think those two are the are the two major candidates for for that simple reason that they already have an audience, they already have a following, they already have an identity. Um, it's not going to be too hard for the people of Brisbane to embrace them because you've got to remember that the Broncos are a very strong brand in that uh, you know in that city, and um, you know sharing that audience, sharing that market, it may not necessarily be a hundred percent what the Broncos want, but from a games point of view, it is desperately needed that we need a second team in Brisbane because to be fair, the largest. Where did the largest eyeballs come from uh, for rugby league at the moment? It comes from the viewers from Brisbane, and uh, and really the Brisbane Broncos supporters most of the times will watch the Brisbane game, and they won't really watch too many of the other games as well. So, um, having a second Brisbane team would actually uh, obviously boost the ratings, make the game more attractive. Um, I also think that um, I don't like the idea of seventeen teams. 
can I say that? I think if we're going to add another, t- I think we should add two teams at a time, because yeah. if we do add a, you know, a, you know, if we do add an 18th team, then there's nine games instead of eight games. So again, you've got more ratings, you've got more revenue, you've got a different time slot that we could introduce. And um, I think Brisbane's a real smart move because I think Brisbane's crying out for a rugby league team um, and it makes sense. Um, and I think there's a high chance of success for a team, uh, a second team for, for, for Brisbane. Um, what's, what's something more interesting to f- figure out is where we would we put an 18th team? Because, um, you know, I think it almost has to go to a, uh, to a pioneer type area. Uh, uh only because, like, uh, because if you think about it, like, you know, Brisbane's kind of crying out for a rugby league team, um, but we need a new market because we need to grow the game, and to grow the game, you need to expose the game to a new uh, new market. So, I, I kind of think that's where the Perth and Adelaide discussions need to start happening because that's probably where an 18th team could be. Um, I don't know 100% about a second New Zealand team because I think what COVID has shown is maybe a maybe one New Zealand team is, you know, could be quite a logistical nightmare. So two might be a bit more of a problem. So I do think that, that as well as a 17th team, we probably should be talking about an 18th team as well. I totally agree. And I think, uh, you know, the no brainer is that it's got to be Perth, obviously. I think yeah. <laughs> we've talked about this before and, and I, I totally agree. Um, but yeah, look, it's, uh, yeah. But in terms of just Brisbane, I think, um, Look, the other thing to consider is, yeah, the the location of it is important. So if they're going to think, well, if we're just going to have another generic team rather than a team that's maybe based, you know, in a specific kind of area in Brisbane, uh, I think that that could be a bit of a, a problem. So, um, you know, that, this is why I think Ipswich being in the southwest and uh, Redcliffe being in the north uh, of Brisbane kind of makes sense either of those two teams uh i prefer redcliffe i think that's where uh, the the future lies um however ipswich is a growing area i mean we talked about the you know the southwest corridor of brisbane as well being a growing area we've talked about that in the past as well um brisbane you know ipswich kind of logan area that's going to be yeah that so I mean, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I would have to agree, Tish, that Perth, uh, a fourth, uh, an eighteenth team to make it nine games in a weekend is ideal. Uh, yeah, look, uh, who knows? Who knows what we're going to do? But I think uh, I think Peter Volandes is on the right track if he's talking about putting. Uh, Brisbane or expansion in general back on the table because of, uh, you know, of the financial situation putting us in at an advantage. So uh, well done, PVL, and uh, hopefully we'll have some good conversations in future about where that next team, the next two teams will be. Um, Absolutely. Here we go. Let's go with tackle number four. All right, some bad news, unfortunately, <laughs> after all the good news. Uh, because <laughs> of the COVID crisis, the Ashes series between England and Australia has been officially cancelled, unfortunately. So both the RFL and the ARL Commission have confirmed the cancellation of the Ashes series between Australia and England, uh, given what's happening with the COVID crisis. And, 
you know, the need to extend the domestic season in both hemispheres means, uh, as a result of the disruption caused by the coronavirus pandemic, means that uh, they can't do everything they wanted to do at the end of the season. So this is one of the things that has to go, they say. They do say, both the RFO and the Royal Commission, that they remain committed to the revival of the Ashes and Kangaroo Tours, with discussions already underway for Australia returning for a three-match Ashes series from 2022 onwards. So a bit of a silver lining there, Tish, but look, this is a bit of a bummer. I mean, here we are talking about capitalising on the interest in the international game, which culminated in you know, probably the most the most uh, important turning point in the history of International Rugby League with Tonga defeating the Kangaroos last year. And here we are wanting to capitalise it. COVID hits, affects all sorts of industries, including rugby league as a sport. And unfortunately, when when push comes to shove and we decide how are we going to return back to normal when we do return back to normal, they've opted to prioritize the domestic seasons rather than the international game um i'm a bit annoyed actually (laughs) like now the more i think about it i'm a bit annoyed that we've just squandered the goodwill and what's been happening with the the international game uh for what for dollars basically and that's really what this is all boiled down to which is an absolute crying shame tish uh, what are your thoughts on this well, uh, Dr. T, I think that uh, at the moment, obviously there's travel restrictions as well. So I don't know if they kind of feel that the you know bans won't be lifted until it gets around. Um, I don't know why they're making the decision so early, uh, to be fair, because uh, we've just seen we've been able to run get the competition up and running again in less than eight weeks. So really, if we're going to do one in, um, say, November, December time, well, we've got till October, <laughs> right? To, to cancel it. So, um, you know, I, I would have much would have preferred the wait-and-see approach because I think it is important that we continue to grow the game from an international point of view. Um, you know, it's kind of clear. And, and the fact that we've got more and more English players in the NRL, um, you know, and with obviously, you know, uh, with England getting closer, plus we're seeing, uh, you know, the Tongans be- beating the Australians last year, you know, the world champions losing to, you know, a relatively, uh, you know, a side that was considered a minnow not too long ago. Um, you know, you sort of send the resurgence of New Zealand a little bit under um, under new coaching and new management and so forth. And, uh, yeah, the international game was uh, heating up and, and now it seems to be a, a bit derailed. Uh, I do propose that at the end of the season, uh, the NRL and the Super League get together, they sit down, they talk, they do a bit of a review about everything that, that all the new changes that they've looked in. And one of the things that I, that I really hope they actually look at is they look at our 20-game round that we had. The fact that we played 20 games week in, week out, in a row, without any breaks, um, whether that could actually be a viable thing moving forward. If you have 16 teams, play a 16-game uh, regular season where you play every team at least once, and that's it. That's the fairest way you have a competition. And then at least plenty of time to do state of origins down, you know, after that, and to do international football after that, and I think that's the kind of format that would work. But at the moment, I believe that club rugby league is actually getting in the way of international rugby league, and that's a bit of a shame because um, 
if you really truly want to grow the game, um, I don't think you're going to be able to do it without getting an international appeal. You know, why do you think the NBA, the you know, the NFL, the English Premier League, why are all these domestic competitions so popular in the world? It's because you know they found a way to try and market the game internationally. Uh, the best approach it's been for rugby league throughout history, by the way. If you watch that uh, documentary, that's rugby league. You actually realise that. You know, when Rugby League first started, there was lots of international features which actually grew the profile of the game in every country that they played Rugby League. That's what needs to continue to happen if we're going to grow the game. And I think that's that's unfortunately being lost uh, amongst everything else that's going on. Yeah, well said. Uh, let's move on to tackle. <laughs> right. No, no, there's nothing I can add to that, Tish, because I'm a bit annoyed, right. uh, in, as yep. you are, I think. Uh, you know, and, and look... Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, you're right. The domestic game is getting in the way. Uh, and the domestic game has also done something really interesting, <laughs> the, which uh, <laughs> yeah. is the point of tackle number five. So here we go. Tackle number five, the NRL's new faux crowd and crowd noise. Tish, take us through what does this mean? <laughs> okay, well, um, obviously we all know that there is uh, no fans allowed to... to, to um, to actually watch the game. So the NRL, um, you know, has forced their way back into, you know, back into the television. Um, so they're trying to get the games more interactive with not, not having any fans there. So the first thing that they've done is that the rugby league supporters are actually given an opportunity to pay $22 to have a life-size cardboard cutout of a photo they send um, placed in a grandstand to support their team. So if you're out there and you want to support your team, uh, you know, you can pay $22 to the NRL and you will get a life-size cutout that will be positioned in the seat of your choice um, uh, throughout the game, which I think is quite, quite a, a neat idea. So it's called the Fan in the Stand, and I believe $1 of that goes towards a certain charity as well. Uh, now, not only that, the broadcasters, both Fox Sports and Channel 9, have started to pump in fake crowd noise into their coverage. Now, I believe that that noise can actually be heard by the players as well. So it's piped into the actual stadiums to give a more authentic crowd look um, to try and, uh, you know, to try and make a, uh, to try and make the game a bit more exciting as you're watching it on TV. Now, this has kind of caused mixed reactions here or there. Uh, quite a lot of people have sort of uh, don't like the crowd noise. Other people do like it. It's kind of a mixed bag. The fan in the stand has also caused controversy because first it started with NRL uh, fans posting uh, photos of their animals, so you know of their favourite cats and uh, and their dogs, which was kind of a bit of a funny haha. But then uh, I believe it was the Canberra game that uh, there was actually a um, there was actually somebody had decided to pay twenty two dollars to put a convicted serial killer's photo into the stand. Uh, without it really being checked. So I think quality control uh, was had gone missing. And then it kind of led to uh, Matthew Jones making an unfortunate comment, which we won't repeat here, uh, but it was quite offensive, quite racist. And, uh, and uh, you know, he has since apologized for that. But 
I don't know if they're going to bring back fan in the stand after the controversy scores. But to be honest, this whole fan in the stand uh, controversy went all the way out to CNN, who are actually reporting on it. Um, also, I think it was all, also um, Sports Illustrated Japan or the Japan Times who also reported on the fan in the stand, fake, fake fans, fake crowd noise. Uh, Dr. T, do you <laughs> like it? Do you don't like it? What are your thoughts on this overall? Look, uh, uh, you know what I was. So we're talking about a couple of things here. So the, uh, I guess, I guess they're all part of the same theme, which is we're trying to replicate, you know, the the feeling of the. Fans it's there. like a facade of there being a crowd there. Now, <laughs> yeah. you know, it just reminds me of you know those. You know those old like computer games, like my old Amiga five hundred, where I had like a sporting game, and you had these kind of fake people in the crowd when you're playing footy or or whatever sporting kind of game. It's it's kind of like it looks a bit like that. It looks surreal. It looks unreal mm. to have these silly cardboard cutouts. Um, we know that there's people not there. <laughs> we know that it's an empty stadium, except for you know, obviously the players and the media and a few other bits and pieces here. We know that. Why are you trying to, you, you, you're kind of like, you're lying to us and we're complicit in the lie. <laughs> we're kind of going, yep. You know, it's a bit like the, it's a bit like the old, it's like the Santa Claus thing, you know? Um, you know, we, we just, we're just going along with a lie and we're not sort of questioning it. And the same thing with the the sounds, the vocals, the sounds of the fake crowd, you know, even the booing when things go, go wrong, you know, like things like that. Look, I guess I guess the point is I I get why people like it because it's it sounds close to real, it sounds familiar. But you know what? This kind of reminds me of when, you know. You you want to call up your utility agency, your organization, or or telco or whatever, and you end up on the phone to like an automated thing, and you kind of it's done in such a way, and it's getting better that it feels real almost, you know, or your chatbot on a website, you know, how may I help you today, mm. you know, and it's like we kind of go along with it, knowing that it's fake, that it's not a real person you know, named, uh, you know, whatever, who's who's on the other Sour side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, can I help you? I'm whatever. It's like most of the time it's not real. And it's getting so mm. good now that we're, we're, we're being fooled into thinking that it is real. Cause, and we kind of like that. We kind of like the feeling that it's real. And so to me, it's like, well, if we continue to <laughs> accept this as reality, it's just really strange and eventually yep. we'll start to just really th – there will be, without question, because I've seen this happen before, we get used to it for a while and then we start getting annoyed and then we the tables turn. So while most people seem to be liking it at the moment, eventually it will become not only divisive but it will become – an absolute uh, negative on the game. It will become a blight on the game and it will become embarrassing until such time as they say, you know what, we're going to stop it. So you may as well stop it now, NRL, because <laughs> there's going to come a time when you're going to have to stop doing it 
um, and uh, or it's not really NRL. I guess it's the the TV or uh, the TV stations that are doing it. But um, yeah, I'm not a fan of it for those reasons. Mm. I think it's it kind of uh, yeah, it's it's really awkward. It's really weird as well. Right at the time when there's international kind of eyeballs watching it. Um, we're, we're doing this kind of fake thing and it's just going to add a bit of weirdness to it. Having said that, the other side of the coin is what would it sound like if you didn't have those types of noises? Well, to be honest, like you'd have, if those of you who used to listen, the old school used to listen to the radio, um, you know, with, uh, with you know, talkback radio, which had commentators in the game, you could hear the crowd, but for the most part, all you could hear is the voice of the commentator. And I mm. think that would be okay. I reckon go back to the voice of the commentator, let them uh, talk a bit more and fill in the gaps, and uh, don't let me hear fake noises. <laughs> it's like yeah, the uh, absolutely. it's like the sitcom, uh, you know, what do they call it? Canned laughter kind of thing. The canned laughter, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's it's awkward and it's weird, and we don't need to do it. So I'd rather not do it and just uh, make us get used to not the sound only of the commentators. Uh, what about you, Tish? What do you think? Yeah, look, I think uh, you know uh, before sort of before you said what you said, I was kind of thinking about why don't I like it? And because um, you know, like you know, it's kind of quirky, it's kind of a bit silly, but I, you know, it does. You know, they're trying to add another layer to the actual experience. Now, firstly. Um, I think the broadcast has done a great job in the way they actually shoot the games without an audience there. Because if you've if you've kind of noticed, they're zoomed quite well in uh, into the into the actual action. So you're kind of sort of more focusing on what's happening in the game than actually focusing in the crowd. And um, probably ninety percent of the time, you actually don't see the empty seats at all uh, because you know the 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 play is fixed on the actual audience, right? Uh, sorry, on the actual players. And I think it's another case in point of why we've got the one referee and the six again, because, you know, obviously the issue becomes when there's a stoppage in the game and, you know, you're just going to, you know, film players standing around, (laughs) which is, which is probably what they don't want to do. So, so look, I think, I think, I think the camera work has been quite phenomenal, which, which is kind of nobody's really talking about it because they're talking about this. But look, the reason why it's so silly, it's so hokey, is because you know we are living in the world of AI and uh, virtual reality, and you know what we're trying to do is we're trying to make, as you said, you know, with the whole, um, you know, sort of, uh, you know, the fake sort of um, messenger bots and you know and things like that, is that you know we do like it when it looks real, and I think. At the moment, the NRL is using technology from the 1970s to try and um, <laughs> make make a fake audience, like the cardboard cutout. I mean, really, it's like a it's like a school project. Do you, do you know what I mean? It's not really it's not really cutting edge, um, and that's that's what the NRL have to understand. Look, it's a great idea. It's tra- you, it, you know they should be looking at ways to interact with the audience, um, but let's think of a way to do it that's not um, something that seems a bit rushed and ill 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 thought let's think of something that's actually uh, you know a bit more cutting edge than that you know I, I, I don't necessarily know what that is 
Um, is it a, is, do we make these games more VR appealing? You know, wouldn't that be interesting where you could actually, um, uh, they might set up cameras at certain locations in the ground that you could actually, uh, you could actually have the live experience in your living room. That could be interesting. You know, something like that, that would, um, you know, introduce people to that whole, uh, whole experience rather than, uh, rather than what we're seeing at the moment, you know? Look, what a great idea. I mean, I think, look, you've got the benefit of not having a crowd there, so you're not going to have a drunken idiot knock over your camera. But yeah. why not Why not put cameras, yeah, one on the 50-yard line, 50 or 50-yard, what are they called now, 50-meter line, halfway, mm. you know, one one just behind, you know, the the goalposts. And, yeah, geez, what a brilliant idea. I actually like this idea. I think you could have multiple cameras set up across the venue. Yeah. And the, the you know whoever's the 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 producer of the the show uh, can cut to all these different cameras at different points to give you the va- different vantage points, you know, of what mm. it looks what it might look like, you know, maybe what it might look like from far away. And think about this: like one one thing I'm sick of seeing is actually the same kind of angles all the time when uh, when it comes to scoring a try. And yes. Yes, of course, I love seeing the close-ups when they're about to score a try. But you know what? Sometimes what I like to see, when there's a break in play, you know, show us the wide angle. Show us what it looks like from the bleachers because you get to see, you know, you get to see them like, you know, and you could surely splice that with with uh, the close-ups as well as they're heading towards a try. But I think show us what it looks like, you know, what does a sliding defense look like? Um, mm. you know, we know what it looks like when we're at, at a ground, at the ground, but we may not, you know, we may not have that vantage point, you know, uh, every time. And so it would be good to actually have that spliced in as a bit of a mm. seamless kind of experience, you know, here is what it looks like. There's a big break. Then imagine you're zooming out to, or, or you, you, you switch into a, a camera angle where, they're from high up, far away. So you get to see the overall thing and you look at it and you go straight away, well, we've got, you know, we've got a bit of a gap there in the defense on the right side. Hope, hopefully mm. they spread it. And then, then you zoom in, you cut in and whatever. And all of a sudden you, you get a, just a different experience um, that you don't get when you're there and you certainly don't get currently on TV. So Tish, what a brilliant idea. I think that's a great idea that the, the um, broadcasters should look at, you know, being a bit more innovative with their cameras and where and camera placements. Great idea. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think so too. And you got to remember that, uh, I, you know, like um, the generation that is currently in school at the moment, um, they're not <laughs> they're not they're not doing projects on cardboard cutouts, are they? They're doing coding as a subject in your like kindergarten, like you know what I mean. So it's like. Um, you know, it's it's they're going to be more. You're going to engage that audience a lot more if you're going to bring those elements to it. You know, so Fortnite NRL, here we come, here we go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right, let's move on to tackle number six, and we are at round four tips. And uh, look, last round I got six and you got five, so we're doing pretty good. We're in the more yep. than fifty percent. We're in the pass range, and hopefully we now, can go a little. Just... Yeah, so I was just going to say that um, neither of us picked the draw, so yep. um, so that's also something that we're going to consider. So I don't know if we 
Should we get an extra point or lose an extra point for that, Dr. T? Uh, I think, you know, maybe I think I've seen it. You get half a point because <laughs> you, <got>, you kind of <laughs> got you got a half right. I think that's what happens usually is in the past is that if you get, um, yeah, if you don't pick a draw, but it happens to be a draw, it you get half a point. That's how I remember okay. seeing the old, uh, you know, in, in the TV, uh, sorry, in the newspaper kind of uh, tipping comps. That's usually what happened. But we haven't seen it for a while because of Golden Point. <laughs> so that's, that's exactly right. why. But um, all right, let's go through the games. A quick fire. Broncos, Roosters. Uh, I think the Roosters are going to win this one. Uh, look, I completely agree with you. It's very hard to see Brisbane win after their performance. Panthers Warriors, uh, this time at Campbelltown Sports Stadium. Makes sense. Penrith uh, Stadium isn't again. Warriors home game. Oh, my God. Um, Look, yeah, Warriors home game. I think the Warriors will win this one quite easily. Um, I'm going to go for Penrith. Wow. Any reasons? (laughs) I I just think – I know Cleary's not back, but, you know, I think they – they really want to win this one after after uh, after what happened on Saturday, so I think they're going to be a bit more motivated. Then the Warriors, it's going to be hard for them to to be on an you know last week was good, but then this week it's going to be harder for them to sort of do what they did last week. All right, uh, Storm at home to the Rabbitohs. Look, this is a risk, but I'm tipping the Rabbitohs for this one. Yeah, I was kind of going to go the same way, uh, and you know what, I'm actually going to. I'm going to side with you as well, the Rabbitohs, because if I go with who's got more ad-lib footy in them, I think it's definitely the Rabbitohs over the Storm. All right. Eels and Manly uh, at Bankwest Stadium. I think the Eels will win this one. Uh, It's going to be an exciting, you know, is it a top-of-the-table clash? I think it is. It's close enough to it. So it's going to be a good one. Uh, But, yeah, the Eels will win this one. All right, well, sorry, Dr. T. I'm going to tip Manly on this one. Um, I just think that uh, the forwards for Manly have got a few more offloads in the forwards of Parramatta, which will Brisbane edge this one out. All right. Um, who have we got next? Oh, the Cowboys and the Sharks at, uh, where is it? Queensland Country Bank Stadium, I guess. That's, I yep. guess that's Townsville. Cowboys, New Home Ground, yep. Cowboys, easily. Yep, the Valentine Holmes Cup. I'm going to tip the Cowboys. <laughs> All right. Raiders and Knights. Now, this technically is probably also closer to a top-of-the-table clash because the Canberra Raiders are second and the Knights are third. And uh, clear third on five, being on five points. Mm. I look. I'm going to tip the Raiders. I think they have just uh, they're just going to explode back into contention uh, for the premiership. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do this year. So Raiders for mine. Yeah. Well, in the '90s, this was a huge clash, right? Harrigan versus Lazarus, uh, Stewart versus Johns. Now, what mm. what do we have? We have uh, you know we have uh, Clemmer versus Papali, and we have George. <laughs> That doesn't sound that great. George Willis is a bitch. But look, I'm going to tip the Raiders. All right. The Titans and the Tigers. I'm I'm guessing you're going with the Tigers. I think even if you weren't a Tigers fan, I would be <laughs> yeah, very right. surprised if you would be tipping the Titans on this one. But look, 
you know, they're on four points. They've only lost one game, the Tigers. So they're doing well. Um, they have, but this is the games we always lose every year, the ones that we're expected to win. <laughs> so let's have the Tigers win. And uh, and by hopefully you get to kick for the whole game. So, yeah. So the biggest test of all is the Titans. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, <laughs> all right. And finally, the Bulldogs and the Dragons, I guess this – could be seen as a uh, you know bottom of the table clash maybe um, mm. it's a uh, yeah not going well 14th versus 15th actually so it is a bottom of the table clash <laughs> in my in my view I think the dragons are going to win this one uh, we were going to talk about Mary McGregor Paul McGregor the coach being under a lot of pressure and he would be under a lot of pressure if he loses this game. And I think he's got a lot more to lose. So I reckon they'll be fired up the Dragons. Uh, yeah, Dragons for mine. Yep. So this is the traditional uh, Queen Victoria birthday game. Uh, I think it's actually happening on the Monday as well. Uh, so what a tradition, Teams 15 versus Team 16. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's a bit like an episode of Survivor or The Apprentice where the losing team's coach... Could be, could be going home, right? Permanently. So, um, I am gonna look. I think that, oh, you know what? I'm gonna tip the Bulldogs, um, because the Bulldogs they try hard and and they do, they try hard. And and I think the problem with the Dragons is, is that they don't try. So, I think that's kind of where that's at. So, I think. I'm going to tip hard work over ability on that one. Or look, another way to say it, Tish, is the Bulldogs try hard and the Dragons uh, find it hard to get tries. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that is right. a reality of it. And uh, But look, I, I don't know. I think um, I, I think this will be – ironically, I think this will probably be one of the best games of the round because I think both teams will have nothing to lose. And it's going to – in this environment with the new rules – might actually be an exciting game. So I'm looking forward to it. Maybe that's going to be one of the, the silver linings of this uh, kind of the, some of the new rules is that the lower level games won't be boring slog fest. They'll be wide open, mistake riddled, entertaining games. I wonder. Let's see. Let's see. Let's put that to the test. That's my hypothesis. Let's work out at the end of uh, this round what happens. But Tish, that's our wrap up for uh, for the podcast. And look, thank you very much for the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. Don't forget you can catch us uh, on uh, Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, on don't forget to like us on iTunes and subscribe as well. Check out our website, ourrepublic.com or email us at ourrepublic at gmail.com if you want to uh, give us any feedback at all on uh, what we've been doing. Now, obviously, you can tell we're back to our weekly sort of regular, you know, uh, podcasts as we normally do, but we are still keen to do our special podcast that we've been doing, our Almost Fairy Tales series and our Greatest Rivalries series and uh we're going to do our best to fit all that in uh in between these weekly ones as well uh or we might sort of wait until we've got enough material and do some later in the year so we're open to hearing from any of you guys uh what are your suggestions 
who do you want to hear us talk about on our Almost Fairy Tales series or our Greatest Rival series? We've got a few ideas lined up, but if we get some overwhelming, uh, you know, ideas out there uh, that that come to us, we'll definitely consider that and we'll do our best to give you guys what you want to hear. So, look, thank you very much for listening. Thanks, Tish. Take it away. Well, thank you, Dr. T, for uh, the episode. I'd like to thank everybody out there for listening. Uh, But that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.